got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F*** that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 101 and 1320 KLWN. Wow, what a weekend, man. What a weekend it was for Kansas Athletics, first and foremost. Big weekend for KU. Big weekend for the Big 12. Big weekend in sports, and it could be a big week for Kansas. It feels like a Monday. I'm talking as if the week is just beginning. It is for us. Uh, But I guess things really kicked off yesterday. I'm starting to think it was a coordinated effort to hire a new athletic director on the day we didn't have a show. We're we're too explosive. Mm. They knew that we would get to the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes, yeah. so we to speak. tell it like it is. Hey, we are, we're like Thanos, man. We are inevitable. You can hold us off, but only for so long. Here we are. Didn't Thanos go poof? Travis Goff is the new athletic director at the University of Kansas. Okay. Dodge City native. Okay. It's a big deal. In what regard? <laughs> um, KU has a leader, a, a somebody in charge of their athletic department now. Making big decisions. In what Which regard? Uh, football coach. Got to hire a football coach. Do they? They have one. They do. That's, that's accurate. Emma Jones is the interim head coach. But... You know, athletic directors, it's like, what else What else do you... I always say this about mayors. Does anybody know... And You know what? The last time I asked this on the show, somebody sent me a lengthy email <laughs> describing what mayors do. But I said, what do mayors do? Does anybody really know what the mayor of a city does? And the answer is yes. <laughs> there are clearly people out there. Just like there are clearly people out there who know what athletic directors do. But you know what, man? Like, the same people who purport to know what athletic directors do are the same people who are saying, they should hire Danny Manning to be the athletic director. And I go, wait a minute. You? Again? You're the one? You're the one who says you know what athletic directors do? Because you wanted to hire a former basketball coach to come be the AD, and his only qualifications were not having a job. That was it. Because if Danny Manning was still coaching at Wake Forest... Nobody would have been saying, let's hire this guy to be the athletic director. But it didn't work out at Wake Forest. He got fired, went and worked for ESPN for a year. And because he was unemployed, has ties to Kansas. Some people, so, uh, uh, reportedly in, in positions of power, if that just means that you have money in close proximity to the University of Kansas, then you know what? That's all it takes. But you can't, you can't, those two things are mutually exclusive. How about, how about that? Let's just start there. You can't say that Danny Manning should be the AD and also say that you know what ADs are, what they do. 
or what they should do or what they what the qualifications for being an athletic director are. But Jer- uh, I'm going ha- to call him Jared Goff so many times. <laughs> I'm going to call KU's new athletic director, Jared Goff, inadvertently over and over again. But that's not his name. Travis Goff. They both kind of have the baby face, though, you know? Yeah, so, I, I saw the picture. I was like, wait, is this guy like 32? How old is he? I don't know. I think uh, I saw Brian Haney say uh, more good things from the class of, like, 2002 journalism or something. He, so I think he's, like, the same age as Brian. Well, do you know exactly how old Brian is? Well, if it's class of 2002, then that would line up to be around 40, right? Late 30s? I don't want to age Brian or Goff, for that matter. It's rude. He's a 2002 graduate, so you do the math, you know? Probably 22. That's what I just did. Just do it internally. Don't speak it out loud. It's rude to allege how how old somebody is. He is from Dodge City, Kansas, and he was previously at Northwestern, where he was the deputy athletic director. Will he bring Pat Fitzgerald with him? (laughs) That's what somebody asked me yesterday. First question. Will they bring Northwestern's coach? I said, probably not. I would assume Pat Fitzgerald... Didn't he just sign like a 10-year deal or something? Yeah, I'd assume he's pretty well entrenched up there in Chicago. Uh, In a statement released on the KU Athletics website, Goff said this, quote, It is truly an honor and privilege to steward the next chapter of Kansas Athletics. I'm extremely grateful to Chancellor Gerard for his belief in me and our shared vision for the future. As a native Kansan and Jayhawk alumnus, I'm thrilled to return to Kansas with my family and to continue to make this a point of pride for our entire university. I cannot wait to get started. Now, amongst other things, Goff was heavily involved in fundraising at Northwestern. And before that, he was at Tulane uh, helping build a practice facility. That's what that's what donors want to see, I guess. I guess, which is odd. People want to see that this guy can relate to us and he's going to be good at fundraising. Which, being good at fundraising is a really interesting quality to have, is it not? It's kind of interesting. It's kind of like the same as being a good salesman. But, because you, you're asking the same thing. Can you, will you please just give me some money? You don't think it means, like, being a fundraiser, like, we're going to see Travis Goff given, uh... He's not going to be hosting a car wash car across washes, the street. Yeah, yeah no. In, like, short shorts. I don't Carl think... Sudsy. No, I do not think so. What if? Uh-huh. Be an interesting spin on what it means to be an athletic director. He's 41, by the way. I think I, that the figure I saw was $440 million um, is how much they raised during his time there where he was in charge of football, baseball, and volleyball. You know, this is the name going back to last week that had been this is a name that had been tossed around a lot. But athletic directors, it's not a sexy hiring. Be, like it's not like a football coach. Where in what regard? Because with a football coach, Jeff, you basically just determine whether or not they're good if they win or if they don't win. With an athletic director, it's more nuanced. Uh, like Shan Zanger, nobody likes Shan Zanger, 
right? He was not popular around here, at least at the tail end, because specifically he made two bad hires for football coach. But, but like if you asked anybody as did, like a person, they loved Sheon Zanger. And you know? you know what he was good at? Raising money. Mm-hmm. So does it come down to that? Is it just, and more specifically, because KU basketball is KU basketball, at least, you know, you expect it to continue to be. Is it just as simple as that? If KU football's good, you're doing a good job. Well, all I'm going to say is this, is that you had two athletic directors who were not popular on their way out of Kansas. And even before that, like, athletic directors get fired, man. They do. Al Bull. Everybody gets fired. Yeah, wait. What If I were to ask, who is the most popular Kansas athletic director over the last, I don't know, 30 years? I don't know. Bob, Bob Frederick. And he hired Roy Williams. It's pretty good. Yeah. Lou was very popular and very successful because mm-hmm. what did he do? Fixed football. But also pretty disgraced on his way out of town. Lou Perkins also, by the way, I don't know if there's anything to back this up, but... Lou Perkins is like like Tupac of Lawrence. Because people will tell me all the time, dude, I saw Lou Perkins at High V the other day. No, you did not. You did not see that. Yeah, yeah. He looked, yeah he's just plain as day. Looks exactly the same as he always has. And maybe he does still live in town. I don't know. Maybe somebody can clarify this. But people always say, no, Lou's, Lou's still around, man. He's still here. Just like somebody said, I, I was driving down the street and I looked over, passenger side of the car sitting next to me, it's freaking Tupac. He's still alive. I, mean, I don't see the photos. Like roaming some beach in Cuba. He faked his death. No, I haven't seen the photos. But that's what's so funny about talking about fundraising with athletic directors. They're all good at it. <laughs> Name me the last guy who, who they said he can't get a dime from these donors. <laughs> You know what I mean? Everyone, oh, he's so good at fundraising. He knows how to raise money. He, he raised so much money at the last school he was at. All right. I'm not saying that that's not a quality that you shouldn't want to possess or that some guys don't. I'm simply saying that I'm having a hard time remembering guys. And I get it. I'm young. Uh, maybe one of those guys. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Lou or Al Bull or... Bob Frederick were really bad at fundraising. It's probably all relative now. Um, when you think about the the keeping up with the Joneses world that we live in, with conference realignment being right around the corner, I guess that's the third thing I would put next to Travis Goff's sort of list of priorities. Figuring out football, raising money, those would be big points of emphasis for any athletic director at any school. Make sure football does well. And raise money. And a lot of times those two things do go hand in hand. The third one, though, specific to KU and the timing of which Goff is being hired is conference realignment, is knowing that when these television deals get renegotiated, that's the time when conferences are going to sort of look around and look down the road for the next 10 to 12 years. I think that's what, 2025, 2026, one of those two years when the Big 12 is up? Mm Mm-hmm. But again, that goes in line with the first two. You fix football, 
you raise a lot of money, you're going to be in a good position for conference realignment. Yeah, but certainly it helps. I mean, coming from North Northwestern, you would think that gives him kind of inroads with the Big Ten, but also supposedly he had um, uh, kind of on his way up. So he's going to say, hey, yo. Yeah, yeah. Hey, remember me? Can I come back? Yeah. And then he also has like a relationship with the uh, commissioner of the ACC. Hey. So you have tie-ins there. Now you get into a bidding war. We all want a piece yeah. of golf. Where's he at now? Kansas. Fine. We'll take him. Don't care. Love the kid. Didn't you hear? He's really good at fundraising. This sounds like a scene from like Mad Men. Like a 1940s like advertising. Never seen the show. Neither have I. <laughs> Probably not the uh, the two people who should be speaking on, on behalf of that. We'll talk to Matt Tate of the LJ World coming up later this hour. Get his thoughts on the golf hiring, what his first order of business is. I mean, I guess the first order of business has to be figuring out if interim head coach Emmett Jones sticks around throughout the season or if you go out and get a guy. And the guys that you would go get, same names we've been talking about for three weeks. Willie Fritz at Tulane, uh, Lance Leopold at Buffalo, Munkin from Army. All three of those guys seem to be interested based off you know, various reports. You can go see him wherever. Football Scoop, uh, Dennis Dodd at CBS. Obviously, they got a ton of stuff on Kansas City Star, KU Sports, 24-7, et cetera, et cetera. But that's got to be the first decision you make. Figuring out whether or not you are going to stick with this guy throughout the year, conduct a full fo- coaching search, or if you're going to hire a new football coach in the middle of you know, your spring practices. Does it get complicated at all? I don't know if you've you've been active on social media, seen some of the players voice their support in Emma Jones, that he's sure. the coach, he's the guy. Do you think that matters at all? It or? has to matter. It has to matter. But what happens if you're Travis Goff and go, we think this guy's the perfect candidate, and I get all the blowback that I would get right now, but if I'm winning games this fall, if I'm winning games next fall, then who's going to care? How do you balance those two? I would say this. Because here's the popular, I've said this before, I've said all along, first thing the new AD needs to do is announce that Emmett Jones is going to be the head coach this season. Not that he's the full, don't give him a contract extension, you let him coach through this season, conduct a full search. And, you know, the pushback that I get, you know, once people will say, well, what if you miss out on your guy then? All right, really? Okay, so the, the guys are... Munkin and Fritz, the same guys who we linked to KU two years ago. Well, what if they get another head Power 5 coaching job? They were on the list of candidates when KU hired Les Miles. They're still on the list of candidates two and a half years later. So what am I missing here? I'm not saying those guys wouldn't be good hires. I'm saying it doesn't really seem like they're beating people off with a stick and holding out for that Kansas job. Flip side of that is you want to preach stability. You want to make sure the guys that are currently on the roster, many of whom were recruited by Emmett Jones, who have a relationship with Emmett Jones, feel like they are respected, feel like they are being made a priority, and that, you know what, we just had our head coach that that we came to play with fired, we came to play for fired, and now you're going to fire the next guy to bring in some dude we've never heard of. 
and you worry about guys potentially leaving and going and playing elsewhere. And the the response I hear more than anything else is, oh, what? So you're going to lose some guys from a one-win team, from a zero-win team? Who cares? Well, I would think the next head coach would care that you hired me and now I have nobody to play for. Now, all of a sudden, the work that Les Miles has put in to slowly chip away at getting that scholarship number closer to where it needs to be to be competitive in the Big 12. If you have a mass exodus of players who are departing because they don't like the fact that you went out and hired a new head coach in April, it's not going to help very much. You're going to be right back to where you started. So even if you think KU is no good, it's just a playing playing the numbers game. Understanding that you need as many warm bodies on this roster as you possibly can. And these aren't just random dudes who are out there saying, I want to see Emmett Jones remain the head coach. I mean, you're talking about Kenny Logan, who might be the leader of this team's defense. Luke Grimm, freshman receiver last year. Daniel Hyshaw, the running back. Kwame Lasseter, guy who returned, didn't have to come back, coming back for his fifth year to play wide receiver. Amari Pesek Henson, uh, Jacoby Bryant, Will Huggins. You can find all this at KUSports.com if you want to see just uh, sort of um, collective message. They're all saying the same thing. We want Emma Jones. We want this guy to be the coach. And they were saying this yesterday after KU announced that they just hired Travis Goff as the AD. That's a clear message to the AD. Don't F with this. We like what we've got. These players don't make the decision ultimately, but there's no question, there's no question you have to weigh that when you're making this decision. Because right now, you go out and hire a new coach, not to say it's the wrong move, I'm saying it's going to be the unpopular move internally. You're going to piss a lot of players off. You are. Now, maybe that new coach comes in, has a meeting with the players, and the tone shifts just a little bit. But that's a, that is not an easy task at the timing of this. If this were happening in December, it would be a lot easier of a decision for Travis Goff to make. If this were happening a month ago, it would be a lot easier of a decision for Travis Goff to make. Because you know what? He would come in and hire a coach. That's exactly what would happen. He would go out, find his guy, give him a contract. That's exactly what would happen. But you just started spring practice. The head coach has been fired. The next guy who came in, they love. It'd be one thing if they promoted it. If they would have... That's what what they should have done. Honestly, when Doug Gerard named Emma Jones the interim head coach, it was a popular decision. That's what they wanted. He should have hired... He should have made Mike DeBoard the head coach. Because at the very least... These players would be like, whatever. This guy's new too, so you're gonna go hire a new coach. That's fine. <laughs> but you you gave the popular guy the job. And credit to Emmett Jones, man. He's done a heck of a job using whatever leverage he has to make it somewhat difficult for the next guy to come in and tell him, Nope, you're going back to the passing game coordinator. And who knows? You know, you go out and hire Fritz or Munkin or Leopold. Who knows how many guys they want to bring in from their past staff. It's just weird timing. It's weird timing to do all of this in early April. That's why it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Travis Goff is going to have a press conference tomorrow morning, and I'd imagine there's going to be a lot of questions centered around exactly what he plans on doing 
with the football program and that head coach vacancy, quote-unquote. We'll talk more about that with Matt Tate of the LJ World. He's going to join the show coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. You might have noticed something strange outside. There's a little more green in the yard. That grass needs a trim, and soon. CycleZone Power Sports in North Topeka has a brand of riding mowers made right here in the U.S. of A. They are bad boy mowers. Made a few hours from here in the Ozarks. They're zero turns, so they drive like a speedy little tank. And they're engineered to be strong, long-lasting, and easy to maintain. Turn a chore into something you love. Mow with an attitude with a new bad boy mower from Cycle Zone Power Sports. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. You know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash, they are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them, unlimited guest service and most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. So earlier today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, in a segment that you're going to here in this podcast coming up here in, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, we announced the return of RCST Trivia, which you may remember last year, smash success, 64 contestants all competing live against one another on RCST in KU and college basketball trivia. It was incredible. We had a ton of prizes to give away. The winner took home a 65-inch Samsung TV. It was all born out of boredom. It was all born out of sports shutting down because of COVID-19. And it turned to, quite honestly, one of the funnest things that we've ever done in Rock Chuck Sports Talk. We opened up registration earlier today on the show. The competition is going to start next week, and we've got so many great prizes If you're a KU basketball fan, if you are a sports nerd, this is the competition for you. Again, you can hear all about it. We talked about it ad nauseum on the show in a segment you'll hear coming up in a bit. But I'm just going to tell you right now, you can listen to this now and ignore it, or you can rewind to this after you hear more about RCSD trivia later in the podcast. If you would like to register for RCSD trivia, you can do so very simply. Send us a tweet at RCST1320 with the words RCST Trivia. That's it. Tweet RCST Trivia at RCST1320, and boom, we'll follow up to get more information and give you instructions on what to do next. Tweet RCST Trivia to us at RCST1320. We're going to keep this open until 3 p.m. 
tomorrow afternoon. So after 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this, after 3 o'clock on Wednesday, we are shutting down this podcast exclusive registration. So you have until 3 p.m. when our show starts on Wednesday to register for RCST Trivia. Again, till 3 o'clock on Wednesday, tweet at RCST1320 the words RCST Trivia. All right, we got Matt Tate, LJ World joining the show coming up here in a few minutes. Baylor uh, won the national championship. What? No. They were the number two team to start the season, and at no point were they number one until now. Mm. Well, took them all year. Mm-hmm. Wonder if they played the underdog underdog card all season long. You think Scott so? Scott Drew just said nobody's respecting you. Number two still. It's one of those weird sort of games where nobody saw it playing out the way that it did. You may have had Baylor winning. Nobody had them winning by 16 over a previously undefeated Gonzaga team that a lot of people were considering to be one of the best college basketball teams ever. Certainly one of the best in the last couple decades. Yet, after it happened, we like to conveniently look back on it and say it makes sense. I mean, you got you got how many NBA players? You got five guards who are going to go play professional basketball. Gonzaga hadn't seen a backcourt like that. It's like, well, why weren't we saying this before the game? I guess some things that we were saying, you had the you had the clear example of what happens when Baylor doesn't miss in the Houston game. What happens if Baylor hits every three, they kill you. They kill you and there's nothing you can do about it. And they did it again to start the game against Gonzaga. And there was nothing the Zags could do about it. That's not the first time the Zags have been down or on the ropes, even late in the game. They've always had a tendency to be able to claw their way out of it with a quick run. Whether it's Drew Timmy just getting easy, uncontested looks down low, or Corey Kispert going nuclear from deep. They've always found a way to claw their way back into a game. And then they faced the best team they've faced all year long, who played as good as they could possibly play. There was nobody beating Baylor last night. That's why I come out of it thinking more highly of Baylor than I do being down on Gonzaga. I know that's the popular take. Uh, it's so annoying. The idea that people want to go out today and say, well, you know, Gonzaga should have seen it coming. They haven't played anybody like that all season long. Come on. Dude. Gonzaga's still every bit as good as they looked all season. I don't care. There's a reason why we have like these advanced metrics that can sort of measure these sorts of things. They play that game again. Baylor's not winning by 16. They may win again, but you play that game 10 times, you're going to have pretty close to a 50-50 split. That was the anomaly. Doesn't take anything away from Baylor, but I just don't think it changes that much about how I feel about Gonzaga. No, they beat every team they played until the last two by double digits except for one. And it was when Jalen Suggs got hurt. Yes, they didn't play sure, you didn't have to, you know, play Michigan or something, but you beat good opponents like Virginia, Kansas, UCLA. Those are all, you know, top 30, top 20 teams in Ken Palm and that's leaving out several others. They were a dominant team. Baylor just was a buzzsaw. And that's the thing. Like we kind of lost sight of how impressive not just that game was from Baylor. The entire tournament run. Like, think about some of the best tournament runs you've seen where a team has just dominated every game. I think back to 2018 Villanova. Like, I don't even know if they had a game that ended closer than, like, 15 or 16 points. You know, and it felt like every way along the way for that Villanova team was just like, oh, buzzsaw Villanova. 
or uh, there was the 2009 North Carolina team. It was the same way. That was how it was for Baylor. We just didn't realize it because Gonzaga was taking everything away with all the headlines. I'd be really interested to, to see how we'd be talking about this Baylor team if they didn't have that setback in February with the COVID pause. I think we'd be talking about them, how we were talking about Gonzaga as one of the most dominant college basketball teams we'd seen in a very long time. Let's talk more with Matt Tate of the LJ World. He's going to join the show on the other side. Yeah, man, before we figure out what would potentially make a good athletic director or what would make Travis Goff a successful athletic director in his time at Kansas, I think we need to define very clearly what it is that athletic directors do. What all are we actually looking for? Because we like to make it very simpler. Hire a good football coach. And, I mean, that's the thing. If you suck at everything else, if you hire a good football coach and you win a bunch of games, we'll say you're the greatest athletic director the school's ever had. We will. We will. That's unequivocal. There's got to be more to it than that, though. Or is there? Is it as simple as that? Let's figure it out. Matt Tate, LJ World, KUSports.com, joins us now on the show. Matt, can you tell us what athletic directors do? Yeah, man, they do a lot, right? They do meetings. They shake hands. All right, no, that's very generic. We all <laughs> who doesn't do meetings. I'm basically hands. an athletic director. Is what I was I'm about to say, you. man. I, I have meetings and shake hands. I shake a lot of hands, man. I really do. Um, not so much in the last year, I'll be honest with you. But uh, you know, I I anticipate the return of the handshake. I don't think it's dead. I think some people do. There's been talk about that. But has there been? Um, yeah. Oh, with a, COVID. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I don't. I don't think that's the case, though. Uh, in fact, I uh, was in Indianapolis at Farmers Coliseum and ran into somebody I knew um, who was there to watch KU play, and I, without even thinking, you know, said hello to her, caught up for a quick second. She was with her husband. I'd never met him reached out, shook his hand without even thinking and, you know, realized it pretty quickly while we were in the skin to skin moment. We, I realized it and I was like, okay, we're going to have this nice little small talk conversation. Then I'm going to go hit the hand sanitizer. And that's what I did. So, but it was, it was wild because after a year of basically not shaking anybody's hand in the entire planet, and there it was just natural again. So we're getting off topic. I know that, but, um, but, but no, I think, I, I think what's important is, is exactly what you just said. I mean, to start this thing off, you know, you, you mentioned if, if he makes a good football hire and does everything else poorly, then, then he'll still be looked at in a favorable light. And I think that's true to some degree, and I think the reason that, that that's true is because the, the proof's sort of in the pudding. You know, I mean, Shane Zenger was actually a pretty good AD in a lot of ways and did a lot of other good things, but he was terrible at trying to hire football coaches. And so – he got very little credit for that. It's almost the flip side of it, right, where, where blame goes out instead of credit. But um, I, I think you can still learn something from that, the fact that he did a lot of good things, but nobody remembers those because he dropped the ball on the biggest thing. And, and so, yeah, if you can get the biggest thing right, it, it buys you a little bit of a leash. It gives you a little breathing room. And, and look, you can't, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't blow your finances. You can't you know, have every coach – in a scandal, you can't, you know, be so lenient with everything that it's just a mess up there. And, and I, I don't think anybody that gets to that point would, would necessarily ever really be in that position where everything's falling apart. But 
it 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 does it does underscore the importance of football, and, and there's no question that that uh, it, that that's got to be the the biggest focus. I mean, that the number one focus for him or whomever they would have hired, right? I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. This is the biggest thing that he's got going right now, and and um, you know, my guess is that he's been on it, and and he was a he was an early candidate in the search. He uh, he he obviously was in it all the way through to the end, I, I would imagine that, you know, he spent some time while he was hoping to get the job thinking about what he would do if he got it. And, uh, you know, now he's got it. He's here. The family landed today. Um, it, it, he's, he's the new AD and it's time to go to work. So it, 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 there's no honeymoon period here. I don't think, I mean, you know, if, if he had a, a coach in place, and he was coming in just to kind of take the temperature of everything, see what he wants to do. You know, there's a little bit of a honeymoon period, but um, after he's introduced tomorrow, you know, he's got to get to work because they got to go find a football coach. You know, it's funny. I think, and I joke about how I don't really know what makes a good athletic director. We, we you just kind of spoke to it, but I do know what makes a bad one, right? I think anybody who sees someone fail like we saw Shenzenger in hiring football coaches, like we saw in Jeff Long, and I think a variety of ways, including the same thing, hiring football coaches. Is that where we start with Travis Goff? Because I know that he's got a decision to make, right? And we'll hear from him tomorrow at his press conference. But how much is not just who he potentially hires, but before you even get to that, the decision that you have to make now with sticking with, the guy who's very popular amongst the players, the interim head coach, Emmett Jones, versus saying, hey, you know, I respect you guys, but I got to go out and, and sort of make the decision that I feel most comfortable with. I mean, just how much is riding on that decision, a yes or no type thing with Travis Goff, which is, I would guess, ultimately going to be the first real task that he has to complete? Yeah, well, it's a first impression, for sure. And first impressions can be massive um you know they can set you on the right foot and and set the tone for what you're about or they can be something that you know it goes so poorly that you never crawl out from under the cloud of that and and you know everything in between those two extremes too so um yeah i mean that's why i say there's no honeymoon period this is this is this is a guy who walks in and and you know he's all smiles today and he should be and there's going to be a lot of handshaking and and uh, you know he's going to check out his office and meet a lot of people and then he'll get to do the introduction which I'm sure knowing his career path has probably been a dream uh, to sit in in a room and and be introduced as the athletic director not just the athletic director though that's probably in and of itself been a dream of his but to do it at your alma mater i mean that that's a that's next level dream stuff right there so you know after that though i would imagine if not already the reality of it all sinks in pretty quick and and um based on what i've heard who i've talked to about him and and what i've read about him i mean he's he's very very student athlete oriented you know and 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 so i think that's it it is going to be difficult for him to um, to, to kind of navigate that decision, or at least it could be difficult. I, I don't know, you know, what he's about yet. I haven't met him, but um, maybe he'll handle it just fine. And, and I think that's, that's certainly on the table. But either way, it's a heavy, heavy situation to be thrust into. You know, these guys, if he decides to move on, these guys are going from Emma Jones and hire a full-time um, coach right away, you know, or, or relatively soon before the season. 
these players are definitely going to be grumbling about it, right? I mean, you know, there's 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 a real possibility that that could be a, an unpopular decision uh, at the very least. But as much as that's important and as much as I think he has to consider it, I, I just don't think he I don't think he can put too much on that. I think he has to come in here and and evaluate things uh, from a very you know from a very I guess thirty thousand foot view, right? Like you want to get in there. He's going to talk to some players, I'm sure, and and and, and kind of figure out why they love Emmett and, and things like that. But at the same time, you just can't get too close to this one yet because you have to look at it objectively. You have to you have to make the right decision for for the the program, the job, for your job, for the department, all of those things. And and so you know you you don't want to let emotions and things like that get involved in in those types of decisions, um, unless of course that's your that's your leadership style. And if you're somebody who leads on emotion, then then go for it, pin your ears back and, and get after it, you know, and, and maybe that works out. But, but, but either way, you know, there's been a lot of maybes and a lot of, uh, you know, speculation about it could be this, it could be that. I mean, that's, that's the reality of the situation right now. We just, uh, he doesn't know. And we obviously don't know at all, but he doesn't know how it's going to go, how it's going to play out and, and what, what moves he makes or doesn't make are going to be received well or, or not received well. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I give the guy a ton of credit, and I'm working on writing something about this right now, but, but I give the guy a ton of credit for taking the job flat out. It's not an easy job. It's, uh, it's, not, a, uh, it, it's not a dream situation right now. Now, I realize maybe being the AD at Kansas has always been on his list of potential dreams and things like that. So, you know, big picture, it, it still could be considered that. But in terms of the specifics of what's going on with the job right now today, it's not an easy job. And so the fact that he, you know, as a first-time AD, said, I don't care about any of that. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to apply. I want the job. I believe I can do it. And I want a chance. I mean, to me, that says a lot about him right there. Now, he's still got a lot he needs to get done and and there's going to be a lot of moves he makes that uh that are dissected and criticized and praised and all those things but but you know based on what we can judge right now i i I just don't think you can give the guy or anybody enough credit for standing in line and saying here's my hand it's up i'll take the job because there's a lot of people that would not want any part of this job right now so hats off to him for, for for being willing to do it now you know now you got to roll up your sleeves and actually get it done and and we'll see how that goes but but I do think he should he should get some credit for for just diving in and saying I'm not I'm not scared of this. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because you know going back to last week, which I mean we didn't even we haven't even had a chance to talk about this. Bill Self getting the lifetime contract right. extension. You wonder in retrospect. I mean, we knew Goff was a candidate. I can see why both sides would be incentivized to get that deal done before that athletic director is hired. From the school's perspective, you'd say, at the very least, there's more clarity as to where we stand with Bill Self, right? And maybe that makes it easier for these potential candidates to make up their mind whether or not they want to be here or not. Conversely... If you're Travis Goff or any other candidate who's saying, I don't want to 
walk into that. I don't want that to be the first thing I have to deal with is deciding whether or not to extend or let go of this all-time Hall of Fame coach. And it makes me wonder in retrospect, like, how do you think that that contract extension either impacted Goff's interest or or vice versa impacted their interest in him just knowing that, okay, at the very least, we know this guy who's coming to sign up and coach for us or be our athletic director knows that we are standing behind Bill Self. So if you're taking this job, you better get in line with that. Yeah, I think that that's probably an important part of it for sure. Um, and, and it is a, it is an unusual situation. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. I, I think that, you know, what surprised me, Nick was uh, looking now that this happened. I mean, that contract came out self-contract on Friday. Right. And, uh, and, and then the eighties announced Monday. I mean, to me, it seems like a missed opportunity. I, I think that, uh, I think this could have been a situation and especially knowing, knowing Goff's background and and his love that he already has for the university and and i I mean he's a kansas fan has been throughout his life so that you know that didn't change just because he was working somewhere else um so so to me it seems like you know he'd probably be on board with with bill self as the coach of the jayhawks uh one way or the other regardless just because um of self's record right and and the the job he's done but when i say missed opportunity I, i think that this is something where, you know, the interim AD Kurt Watson and and Chancellor Gerard and Self and whomever else was involved could have hashed this thing out and said, "Here's the deal: let's do this contract, let's 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 make it this, let's cross the i or cross the t's and dot the i's and get our lawyers to look at it and everybody everybody come to an agreement and then let's sit on it because we know we're going to announce the AD on Monday, so let's sit on it for a week." And then let's give him the opportunity, maybe the following Monday or the following Tuesday, to come out and tell the world, hey, you know, I know I just got here, but this was important to me. And we have extended Bill Self, and he has a lifetime contract now. We're thrilled to have him. I mean, to me, that alone would have been like, I mean, that would have put him on, the, on, that, on that level of KU fans would have viewed him as, this guy's a great AD, right? I mean, immediately that would have been what, they, mm-hmm. what their perception is of him. And, you know, maybe that's, that's cheating a little bit, but, but still it, it seems like it would have been a really good first thing to, to allow him to do. And, and who knows? I mean, we don't know the details. Maybe they discussed that and maybe he declined. I mean, it's very possible that, that he didn't want the layup. And, and, you know, he wanted to come in and, and, and do the job and, and understand that, that, you know, he doesn't just need a gift wrap for him like that. So I, I don't know. Maybe we can find that out tomorrow. Maybe not. But either way, I think, I think it would have been uh, very well received, right, by the, uh, by the fan base. And I think it would have uh, certainly started his, his time as KU's AD off on a really good note. And, and I'm a little bit surprised they didn't choose to go that way. But again, maybe, maybe that was his doing somehow. So but that, but the flip way, side of that though, but the flip side, Matt, and I know, you, I know you know this, but like the flip side of that is if you have an AD who says, I don't want to hitch my wagon to that mess. Sure. Sure. Right. The, yeah. That, 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 that's a good point. I hadn't really thought it that way. Um, because it it is still very uncertain, and so, um, so yeah. Now he's maybe they did him a favor. Is, is kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, like, because they, I think about it. Forty one years old. Him. Yeah, forty one years old. Never been an athletic director before. 
Like the idea that like one of the first things that is going to be on your byline is that you were the AD when the infractions case came to an end and you were the one who had to say, okay, well, if there are penalties hanging over KU or Bill Self, if, I mean, imagine if there was the flip side and you had to say, well, I don't want to be the guy who does this, then you wonder about what other people around the industry may think of you, right? Like, I, I, and I'm just, this is all speculation. Of course. But that's, yeah. a really, that's a sticky situation to walk into. There's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and it, it kind of goes back to what I said. I mean, this isn't just a football situation, right? This isn't just a program or a department that needs a football coach and needs something good to happen in football so desperately. This is a program that is dealing with this uncertain NCAA investigation still. And, and um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's just the here and now. I mean, that thing is happening right now. And so is this football mess. So that's two big things that in your biggest sport that you have to deal with on day one. And, uh, again, I mean, hats off to the guy for being willing to, to jump into that. And, and, you know, and that doesn't even talk about um, conference realignment that could pop up in a few years, uh, television contract negotiations that he'll have to be a part of and, and have to, you know, keep KU on, on – in good standing and on, on a good foot in that regard to, um, you know, the, the name image and likeness stuff that's coming. I mean, there's a lot. And, and some of that would be at any school, you know, but, but when you throw those other two things that are very immediate on top of all that stuff, I mean, you're, you're going to find out, man, you, you know, this, this guy will be trial by fire in a hurry. He, you will find out if he's got what it takes um, very quickly. And, and, and maybe that was part of the appeal to him, too. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's uh, a very confident dude. You know, he's obviously had a good career so far, and, and people speak very highly of him. So, you know, there, there's, there's no reason to think that he doesn't believe in himself and his ability and, and thinks he's ready. And, and so maybe, you know, maybe he'll prove that. But, um, but yeah, it, it really is all um, it, it is. It can be anyway. I would imagine if you were sitting in that office, it, it can be probably a pretty overwhelming feeling if you just start making a list of okay, here's what I got to deal with, and you just keep going, and you just keep going, and you just keep going. And again, I'm sure every school, every AD has their own stuff to deal with. I mean, even a guy like Joe Castiglione at, at Oklahoma, who's you know widely regarded as one of the best in the business. Well, he just hired a basketball coach, and and he's still looking for a women's basketball coach, you know. And 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 this is a guy who's who's very good at his job, and and has so much experience, and kind of runs on autopilot a little bit down there. But but even he could make a list that would probably look pretty overwhelming. So I I think that uh, you know it it's easy to say that that that's all real heavy stuff that 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 Goff's going to have to deal with. Um, but but you know I'm sure everywhere has their has their stuff so uh, it, it just it just seems like the KU stuff's a little a little more uh, pronounced probably because number one we live it it's part of our day to day lives and what we cover and things like that and and number two it's because there's a lot at stake with both of those situations the football mess and and the NCAA infractions case are are big big deals and and if they don't go well for KU um, not only will that mean 
Goff's time here isn't going to go well, but it, it could be really scary for the future of the of the school. So you know we're we're getting way ahead of things there. But but again, I mean, when you, I just don't think you can, I don't think you can say it enough. When you look at all that stuff and all those things that he's going to have to figure out and deal with and learn how to handle. Um, I just, I just give him a ton of credit, uh, for, for being willing to do it and, and doing it with a smile. I mean, he seems very excited about the opportunity. And, and so maybe it's one of those things where, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's looking at it as, okay, Hey, if I go do this, uh, there won't be anything I can't do at this point. And, and, you know, I could really make a name for myself and, and, and I don't know that that's part of it at all. You know, I mean, that, again, we, we've got the introduction tomorrow. I'm, Looking forward to hearing him talk and, and meeting him and all that stuff. Um, part of me thinks that that's probably that that has to be part of it. That 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 sense of if I go do a good job here, I'm going to really make a name for myself. I mean, I think that's human nature. I think that has to be a part of it for anybody who would be in that position. But with Travis Goff, you also get the sense, and again, it's just a sense from from a distance right now because I don't know him. You you do get the sense that this is a guy who just wants to come back and help his alma mater, and you know maybe that's maybe that's valuable. Maybe that can actually do a lot here. Um, it, it sure seems to have inspired a lot of the people who were part of the, the the search process, and you know a lot of prominent alums, and and so we'll see if that helps too. Because you know at this point the the whole the whole department can take as much help as it can get right now. He is Matt Tate. You can check out more of his work on. Travis Goff, and obviously it's been a busy time for KU basketball, not just with Bill Self's extension, but hitting the recruiting trail, trying to revamp this roster for next year. Matt, I wish we could talk more about it, but we are out of town, my friend. So uh, I will just thank you for hopping on with us, and we'll do it again next week. I was going to say, why don't we do it next week? We can just pick yeah, up good right idea. here. That is a... you, you write it down? You got a little note there where we left off? Yeah, Derek's, Derek's going to put it on the calendar, so we'll call you around the same time next Tuesday. Cool? All right, good. Let's get a whiteboard going. I'm, I'm sure nothing will happen between now and then, so we'll just pick <laughs> right up where we left off. <laughs> hey, thanks again, dude. All right, man. You guys take care. Thanks. All righty. That is Matt Tate of the LJ World. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. All right, we got... Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, who is going to join the show coming up a little bit later on this hour. This is Rock Chuck Sports talking about this time last year, we were in the throes of shutdown. I didn't say COVID. I said shutdown because remember, like right when COVID hit bad in March when, when it became a real thing? And then we didn't really know what to do, so everybody just was like, stay home. You can't go anywhere because we didn't, we couldn't do social distancing. Not everybody had masks. Not everybody had hand sanitizer. People were going to the grocery stores and buying up all of the toilet paper. Yeah, what Remember was that? that? Like, we weren't out of anything else other than soap, 
hand sanitizer, and toilet paper. Did anybody actually ever run out of toilet paper? I did, not because of COVID, but because I couldn't buy any. Because everybody bought it up. There was like a two-week span where I was using paper towels and napkins. Are you serious? What else was I supposed to do? Man, that must have been a raw week. <laughs> you telling me, man? That's again, no. Again, like comfortable spots. So for everybody out there who did go to Dylan's or Hy-Vee or whatever grocery store you frequent and and stocked up, there were repercussions. You may not have seen them, <laughs> but there were, and that was really selfish of you. And I think that you should be sorry for that. It was a weird time. It was a weird time for us, too, because we were getting ready for the busiest month of the year. KU was the number one team in the country, and we thought that they were on their this this death march to the Final Four and hang another banner. And then everything shut down, and there were no sports going on. First, it was the NBA. Then it was college basketball with the conference tournaments. Then they announced the cancellation of the NCAA tournament. Golf shut down. Baseball never started up. It was dead. There was nothing going on. And we were really struggling to figure out what we were going to do with the show simply because, like, when will sports return is only an interesting topic for so many shows. And we spent a lot of time, like, the the, the overarching question being asked at the beginning of every monologue that we did was, well, when, when do you think those sports will come back? Huh? June? All right, tomorrow we'll discuss the possibilities of July. We just kept going on over and over again. And then we sort of came up with an idea because we were going to do this bracket challenge. Everybody does a bracket challenge at your workplace or your office where everybody, you know, puts in five bucks and gives away the money. But we didn't have money because it's, I guess, illegal for us to do that and then advertise it on the radio. So we had some cool prizes, right? We were going to give away a 65-inch TV. But we couldn't do the bracket challenge without an actual NCAA tournament. So we pivoted. And we said, what about doing a trivia tournament, a trivia challenge? Could we do that? The haters doubted us. They said we couldn't do it. Couldn't pull it off. And we proved the haters wrong, man. And we did it. RCST Trivia was the name. And I would like to think that it was a smashing success. We had 64 contestants. We had them coming on the show live to compete head-to-head on KU and college basketball trivia. The winner would advance, and we went to the next one. And it lasted about five weeks, man. We had 63 head-to-head matchups until we had our champion, Isaac Henderson, the young man who I dubbed the Wonderkind. What was he, 19 years old? Mm-hmm. Probably, wouldn't even, spry 20. probably wouldn't even recognize him anymore. Has a beard and well, he's got a TV. That's true. I'll tell you that he's Get got a man. 65 inch TV. It was a fun month, man. It was a really fun month, and it was this this cool little game slash project that was born out of happenstance. Really, it was born out of necessity because we had these prizes to give away and didn't know what to do with them. And once we started doing it, people loved it. I think we both kind of immediately realized that this was something that we were going to have to continue doing moving forward because it's not just a fun bit to give us content because, I mean, selfishly, that's why we came up with it. We needed a way to get through a month. Like, we needed to burn a month and figure out, (laughs) can we just, maybe things will be better in June or July. Turns out they weren't, at least from the sports calendar perspective, but at the very least, this 
sort of waved its hands in the air and said, this is a viable option. Like, you should keep doing this. So that's what we're doing. I'm here to announce on April 6th that the second annual RCST trivia competition will begin next Monday. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, the crowd goes absolutely wild. I'm also here to announce that if you thought last year was cool, wait till you get a load of what's in store this season. That's right. Come on. Yeah, there we go. That's more like it. Go ahead. Not only are we giving away, and Derek, you're going to have to to fill me in if I miss anything because we've got more sponsors. We've got more prizes. We've got bigger prizes. We've got better prizes. The 65-inch Samsung TV also going to be a part of the grand prize this year. That was the only prize in year one. Here's what else is just, just this is, this is just the grand prize. This is not all the prizes. This is just what the winner gets. A 65-inch Samsung TV, courtesy of 23rd Street Brewery. A grizzly cooler, courtesy of Toppling Goliath Brewery, which is like the, Toppling Goliath is the biggest, best brewery, not the biggest, but it's the best brewery in the country. They have four of the top 20 beers in the world right now. And these grizzly coolers, they are like the nice soft shell, big, hard coolers that'll keep, I don't know, it'll keep ice frozen for like six days or something. keep a hand warm if it got knocked off and you needed to sew it back on. That's how cold it is. You don't keep hands warm. You You keep them cold. Whatever. You wouldn't keep the hands. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You're going to have a custom championship trophy made courtesy of Jayhawk Trophy. You will receive a custom Sporting Kansas City jersey courtesy of, you guessed it, Sporting Kansas City as well as a four-pack of tickets. You will receive two dozen RCST golf balls, custom golf balls, and these are nice ones. These aren't like the the no brand name that I would give away like at, at my golf tournament that you can buy for like $5. Yeah, we didn't just like scoop these out of a lake somewhere and paint on them. Yeah, these yeah. are nice. These are Vice golf balls. You're going to get two dozen and they got the RCST logo. So, I mean, you probably won't even hit them. Because you're going to see the RCST logo and you're going to realize these are collector's items, which they are because there's only a handful of them made. You're also going to get a lifetime entrance into RCST trivia. That and the the respect of your peers. Oh, yeah. That is the best part. And the respect of us. Most, Yeah, we are your peers. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if we're your peers. We may be a notch above your peers. Yeah. Your superiors. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not your (laughs) boss, but, I mean, it's our tournament. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so if you that's get just our factual, respect. and I'm not even trying to brag. That's just, that's right. literally correct. Um, I know I'm missing some no, other I mean, prizes, but that, that's just the grand yeah, prize. That's, that's just the And grand you're going to accumulate right. prizes along the way through the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and Final mm-hmm. Four. And so, like, just to give you an idea of all the sponsors we have, because we have some awesome group of sponsors here, and thank you to everybody who has um, kind of believed in this idea with us. River at Print and Skate, who they do all our apparel and stuff. We have RCST t-shirts. One thing we have this year that we don't have, uh, that we didn't have last year, RCST hats. Oh, they're awesome. Really I wear nice mine hats. all the time. Yeah. Uh, they're like Adidas hats. They're legit. Yeah. Uh, Pella Windows, they're sponsoring the golf balls. Hawaiian Bros, they're going to have some gift cards to give away. So is 23rd Street Brewery in addition to the TVs. Lawrence Public Library is going to be a part of this thing. 
Uh, Toppling Goliath, Nick, you mentioned that. CBD of Lawrence, they're going to have some gift cards to give away. We mentioned the trophies with Jayhawk Trophy. We have a ton of stuff to give away uh, from basically once you get to the, we're calling it the Sizzling 16 because we can't get sued. By yeah, the we're going to avoid any yeah. copyright infringement. So uh, the Sizzling 16 and on, basically you're going to be getting prizes Can every I get round. the names? Can I get the names yeah. of all the different rounds? So we have the Sizzling 16. We have the Great 8. The, uh, it rhymes. Yeah, the Phenomenal 4. And then the uh, just the champion, I guess. I don't, don't think a, we can get sued over that. No, I don't think so. The NCAA, that's the one trademark that they were not able to secure. Yeah. Championship. Uh, yeah, thousands, thousands, multiple thousands of dollars worth of prizes. Yeah, like I was adding this up. It is over $2,000 worth of prizes. It, it might even be over 3000 I don't know. There's certain things where so it's hard to judge. Were you adding them up or not? Well, there's that's a big difference. No, there's certain things where let's it's hard to judge the price. Let's say it's 3000 yeah. That sounds better. Sure. Nobody else can million check us on a it. Billion dollars. Yeah. Prizes. Prove us wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, dare I could you. tell you the RCSD golf ball because it's limited edition. It goes for hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It's you know? like these NFT stuff, right? The, the NBA Top yeah. Shot things, where you buy it for a certain price, but you could resell it on the open market for quadruple what you paid. So it's all dictated by the market. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to start the trivia competition next Monday. The way we do it this year is going to be a little bit different. Uh, to avoid controversy, I did not... Actually, I did. We did talk about this like privately before the competition began last year. The idea that people were going to accuse other people of cheating, which, what do you know? <laughs> everybody did it. Not, no, not everybody cheated, and not everybody was a sore loser, but a lot of people... You know who you are. And not, and not, okay, and you know what? I'm not even saying you were wrong. I'm just saying you can't... You didn't there's know. nothing we could do. There's nothing you know? we could have done, and there's nothing that you didn't know anything. Like some people, I heard him typing. I'm like, dude, we have headphones on. <laughs> Trust me, we can hear it better than you can. And other people, like, they're just like the conspiracy theories. Well, he sounded unsure, and then they waited to the last second. They answered it. They had to have somebody in the room. Maybe they did. We didn't know. Okay. And there was only so much we could do. You can't bug everybody's house. We know? said that, we said uh, at the very beginning that if we, if we thought we we heard you cheating, we were going to kick you out. We listened to everything. We listened back to it. When people would complain, we would go back and say, okay, did we miss something? We never had anything that tipped us off. And we don't want people to cheat, and we don't want people to be cheated out of this. So what we're going to do this year, to appease anyone who felt like they were cheated or who felt like we weren't running a tight enough ship a season ago, is we're doing all this through Zoom. At the time, go, another thing, going back in time a little bit, go back in a time one year, Zoom wasn't that popular. Like People were using it, but it wasn't as prevalent to where literally everyone was using it as it is now. So that's the only stipulation. If that's a deal breaker for you, tough luck. The whole competition will be conducted through Zoom this year. That's right. We have the technological capabilities wow. to conduct these competitions through Zoom and still broadcast them via the radio airwaves, which is exactly what we're going to be doing. So that's the only thing that's changing from the competition standpoint. Everything else is the same. Now, obviously, we're not just recycling the same questions that we used last year, which, by the way, you know what? I'm not asking for credit, but Derek can because he did all the work. <laughs> Derek did all the work in compiling these questions. I actually had people like send me books. Like people sent me 
KU history books and, and like uh, said like, hey, this might be of use to you as you embark on your trivia competition next year. So we got a new batch of questions, new batch of trivia. Um, it's going to be more KU this year. Last year we asked a lot of March yeah. Madness and Big 12. You know, there might be a few where it's like. And honestly, and I'll just yeah. say this, it's because you guys didn't know very much of it. Right. So we're going to make it more KU-based. I, and I'll say this, too. Like if you plan on competing, and I'm going to tell you how here momentarily, how you can register for this year's RCST. If you plan on competing and you haven't already been practicing, you have no chance. If you haven't been going back and reviewing the tape from last year to figure out who excelled and why they excelled, you have no chance. If you have let a single day pass without thinking about RCST trivia since last May, once again, I'll say it again, you have no chance because while you were resting, there was somebody out there trying to get better. This isn't a Rocky movie. You can't just montage your way to the top. No, you got to put in the work, man. You got to put in the work when nobody's watching. Okay, not the Instagram work, not the... Uh, let me have my wife take a picture of me studying so everybody knows how hard I'm working. No. Do the work when nobody's watching. That's the only way. Because that's the other thing, man. I think we had a lot of people who entered this competition last year who didn't really know what they were getting into, who didn't really understand like exactly what all it entailed, and they that showed. And that's not a knock on anyone, but that's not going to get you very far. I think the—I'll tell you right now. The crop of contestants is going to be twice as strong as it was last year. Like, there are going to be some real ringers, some real juggernauts. Now, the people who made it to the Elite Eight, is that correct, Derek? Yes. Automatic entrance? The Grade Eight. Come the on, Grade man. Eight. I'm sorry. The, uh, anybody who made it to the Grade Eight last year automatically qualifies, and those will be our one and our two seeds. Everybody who's in the Final Four, one seed. Everybody who's in the Elite Eight, Grade Eight, will be the two seeds. So we actually have some level of competitive balance, hopefully. Maybe those guys were flukes. I don't even remember anybody's names, but uh, maybe... I'll give you them. I have them in front of me if you want them. They're going to be the top two seeds in each of their reasons. Uh, we'll so, get to uh, that later in the week. Okay. We'll get to it later in the week. I know it was Isaac and... Uh, give me the final four. Just give me the final yeah. four. So Isaac won it all. He beat Tate Voback in the final. Eric Hansey and Liam Connolly were the other final four members. Eric, Liam, Tate, mm-hmm. and Isaac. Those are your one seeds, okay? And we have our two seeds wrapped up as well. It is not going to be easy. If you snuck by and got to the sweets, the the, the sizzling sixteen last year, go. simply by answering a few questions right and had easy matchups, I'm telling you right now, it ain't gonna be that easy. Because the prizes are better, people know what it's about now. Uh, I am so excited to get this going. Less than a week away, so I've talked for long enough. Now I'm gonna give you the chance to register, and I'm gonna make it very very simple for you. If you would like to register for RCST Trivia because we are going to open this up for the next 40 minutes till 5 o'clock. You can text us at 785-843-1321. All you have to do is text us RCST Trivia. 785-843-1321. Text RCST Trivia and you will register. We will follow up with instructions We're opening this up for the next 40 minutes, so you have a chance to register before anybody else. All right, we're going to do some more stuff maybe later tonight. Be looking on the lookout for the podcast. Uh, We're going to do some stuff if there's still spots open the rest of the week on Twitter. 
but this is your first chance to register. Text RCST Trivia to 785-843-1321. The sports calendar is dying down. The basketball season, the college basketball season, is officially over. But the biggest sports tournament of the year starts next week. That's RCST Trivia. And I'll tell you one last time, if you want to qualify or if you want to register to compete in RCST Trivia, text RCST Trivia to 785-843-1321. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I think the final line for last night's game was Gonzaga by four and a half. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that would have taken Baylor plus four and a half. I'm sure there's a lot of people who would have taken Baylor straight up based off the way they'd been playing heading into that game. I don't think anybody saw that coming, though. A 16-point win by Baylor over previously undefeated Gonzaga to win the national championship. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, joins us on the show. Kevin, uh, what the hell happened last night in Indianapolis? You know, it, it's fascinating, Nick, because I was one of those people that uh, that picked Gonzaga to win by about three. I thought it was uh, thought it was going to be a close game. I thought Gonzaga had some matchups it could take advantage of, especially you know Timmy down low. And the interesting thing about this is, you know, these teams shared what three or four common opponents, and against those common opponents, for the most part, Gonzaga played just as well, if not better than Baylor did. And when you looked at all of that, I thought Gonzaga heading in was just the better team. And it it wasn't just about, you know, the Ken Palm metrics or, or any of those things. You know, you just, you watched Gonzaga play and saw the ball movement, the way they cut, and and they never really felt pressure all year. And that's why it was so wild to see Gonzaga get hit in the mouth right from the start and I thought, in addition to Baylor playing incredibly well, I thought Gonzaga came out really tight. And I thought that that, you know, maybe allowed that game to get out of hand earlier than, than it would have. Maybe we would have had a better game had it had it not gotten out of hand early. You think about the fact that, you know, what, in the first five minutes or so, maybe first seven minutes, you know, Baylor gets the layup for Ayayi, like the two-foot bunny that he misses. You know, they get the wide open three where Gonzaga, where Baylor just lost track of Corey Kispert and he misses. And it, it sounds crazy to say all that because here's the thing, you know, you're talking about a, a couple shots for Gonzaga just to be able to play with Baylor. And when those shots didn't go in, you know, Baylor really established itself as the dominant team was playing with so much physicality and confidence and and Baylor was just by far the better team last night. Yeah, they were definitely the better team last night. Uh, I don't believe that Baylor is 16 points better than Gonzaga, but it's tough to argue with not just how they played last night, but how well Baylor looked in the tournament. Like That wasn't really all that different than what we saw in the previous game versus Houston. So do you, do you leave that game thinking... More about Baylor or more about Gonzaga? I, I leave it thinking a lot more about Baylor because the the thing for me is I, I saw some people making cracks during Houston game and they did the same thing during the Gonzaga game. Like, oh, this is this is the pre-COVID pause Baylor. No, it wasn't. That was a lot better 
the, than the pre-COVID pause Baylor. The pre-COVID pause Baylor team was close with Kansas and Waco until Jared Butler got away with a push-off on a three-pointer. And, and I'm not saying that they were a bad team. I'm just saying they weren't what they showed in the final weekend of the season. Baylor was playing its absolute best basketball at the absolute perfect time and, and absolutely rang up what I thought was a was a pretty solid Houston team. And I know some people disagree with me on that, and that's fine. But, you know, I don't think there's any doubting how dominant Gonzaga was. And for all the knocks, you know, that people talk about their schedule or, or different things like that, you know, they took on a really physical USC team and just handled them. You know, they beat Kansas and, and Iowa and, you know, West Virginia and all of those teams, you know, two or three seeds. So it wasn't like they hadn't been – in games against other top teams, Virginia, they absolutely ran out of the gym. And, and so I didn't come away, and I hate people who draw – I shouldn't say I hate people. I hate it when people draw giant sweeping conclusions about how good a team is based on one game in March. Because if you look at it even from a Kansas perspective, Kansas is not 34 points worse than USC. That wasn't who they were over the last several weeks of the season. And I think the same thing showed with Gonzaga. You know, I, I thought Gonzaga wasn't quite as good as it had been up to that point. But I thought more than that, this is a Gonzaga team that was special, not necessarily because its A game was better than everybody else's, but because it never faltered, right? Because they would come out and they would beat everybody pretty much with the exception of West Virginia when Jalen Suggs was injured and then UCLA those are the only two games they played within single digits all year. And so when you look at, at their dominance, it, it was earned. It, it was proven, and yet Baylor went out and still stomped them. And so when, when asking, you know, who I thought more about, you know, I, I think people really kind of undermine what Baylor did when they start saying, well, Gonzaga wasn't as good as we thought they were. No, Gonzaga was exactly who we thought they were. Baylor last night was just significantly better than Gonzaga was. So you brought up earlier the question about, you know, was this was this pre-COVID pause Baylor? <laughs> when you go back to that, which was basically the month of February, right? They didn't play between February February 23rd. And when they came back on February 23rd, I mean, they immediately were looking like a different team, a shell of their former selves. They beat Iowa State by five. They lost to Kansas by winning their first 18 games of the season. Um, you beat West Virginia in overtime. You lose to Oklahoma State uh, in the Big 12 tournament after barely bite. Had Baylor not dealt with that COVID pause, and there's no way of knowing if they still would have went through a bit of a slump if that was completely related to COVID or otherwise. But had they not hit that rough patch where we all sort of collectively looked at it and said, this is not the same team. How would we be talking differently about the season that they just had as opposed to what we're talking about today? Well, it, it really depends on what they would have done. And I'm not somebody that necessarily thinks, you know, just right away that, that Baylor would have gone undefeated if there wasn't the pause because Baylor still had the toughest part of its schedule by far coming up. One of those, one of those parts that – that's kind of calling uncle for Kansas or Oklahoma or Texas, right? Like all of those teams, 
you know, we, we were talking about it at some point and saying, you know, this this team looks kind of good, and they hit that five-game stretch where you get the dreaded Saturday-Monday turnaround in there, you play like five straight really good teams, and it's just impossible to be up for all five of those games. And, and given, you know, Baylor's place in the ranking, the fact that they would have gotten every team's best shot in those games, I don't know that Baylor would have been undefeated. Now, had Baylor played out the entire season, you know, no COVID pause, had gone undefeated and wound up winning the way that they did, sure, you would be talking about this Baylor team as an all-time great, the the exact same way people were were starting to talk about Gonzaga before the loss. But And probably even more so given that, you know, Gonzaga has a certain number of detractors based on the conference that, that Gonzaga plays in. But at the same time, I think Gonzaga or Gonzaga, I think Baylor was able to avoid fatigue probably a little bit in terms of not playing all of those guys together and having sort of those, you know, dead legs that you run into in the middle of the season a little bit. I think that Baylor was able to avoid the toughest part of its schedule. And so I think that when you look at it from that, it's really easy to say, well, Baylor was better than everybody on schedule, so it should have gone undefeated. But I think as we've seen in history, especially since there's only ever been one Big 12 team to go undefeated through conference play, and there have been none since the league went to this double round-robin format, I think it's probably a little bit of a stretch to just go ahead and assume okay, if Baylor didn't have COVID, then Baylor would be sitting there undefeated right now and we'd be, you know, giving the Bears their undefeated flowers. Talking to Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Kevin, which of those two teams do you think is most likely to be back in the championship game next year? Uh, I think it's Gonzaga. You know, I I think Baylor's going to lose so much of what made that team special. You know, when you look at at that guard trio in particular, the starting guard trio, and Mark Vidal as well. You know, and and all of those guys were, were kind of the heartbeats of that team as well as just the best players on that team. I, I still think Baylor is going to be pretty good. I think we ranked them right around 18th in our way-too-early rankings with, with the idea of, you know, a couple of the bench guys really stepping up and, and them returning Flo Thamba and, and Jonathan Chamwa Chachua, you know, down low. Uh, but, but Gonzaga was, was our way too early number one. And I know people are going to roll their eyes and say, what again, do you guys not learn their lesson? But Drew Timmy is a guy that, that a lot of us think is going to return. Same with Joel Ayai and same with Andrew Nemhart. So you're returning three starters from this year's team, including one of whom was an All American. And then Gonzaga has already added, you know, one of the, the top six or so players in the entire country and Hunter Salas and they lead right now for Chet Holmgren. You know, he, I think he's collected all of the, the 24 seven sports crystal ball picks for where he's going to play college ball. And he's the number one player in the entire country. And he's a seven footer that can handle the ball and make three pointers. And so he's somebody that, that is going to be really, really tough for other teams to match up. The other thing is, you know, it's funny because, you know, Mark Few used a tight rotation down the stretch. He only used really seven guys. But when they blew out USC, Nick, and, you know, you always have five guys come off the bench when you're late, when you're winning in a blowout. The five guys that came off the bench, you know, to play the final minute or two, 
four of those guys were top 100 recruits. Mm. And those guys are all coming back. And Gonzaga has a culture of, of developing those guys and, and guys waiting to get their chance. So I also think Gonzaga was significantly deeper with talent this year than maybe a lot of people realize. And the other moving part that's in there is Gonzaga is considered to be one of the finalists for, you know, North Carolina transfer center, Walker Kessler. And so if you add all of that together, you know, Gonzaga is looking once again next year, like a team that's going to have all the pieces to make a deep run. If not, you know, get Mark Few his first ring. Okay, so who would be a team that you looked at from this past season who maybe had a good year but weren't quite on that level? Who's a team that you would look at heading into next year that you felt like, okay, they were a year away last year. Next year is the season to really expect them to do bigger things. So there, there are a few of those teams. I think everybody kind of circles Duke because of the way Duke ended the year a little bit better once they started playing Mark Williams. And with Mark Williams coming back and them having, you know, a recruiting class that could wind up being number one in the in the nation, I, I think Duke is somebody that that jumps out as good as Michigan was this year. Michigan currently has the number one recruiting class in twenty four seven sports composite, and they have multiple guys who are expected to come back for their super senior years. And so, Michigan's a, another one of those teams. I think. You know, people are really buying into UCLA after the Final Four run because UCLA could return not just all five starters, but don't forget that UCLA's best player went out for the season eight games in. And so when you add that in, you know, they have a five-star kid coming in. UCLA is a is another team that, that jumps off the page. An interesting one that's not necessarily a national title contender per se – but is going to make a significant jump, I think, is Arizona. Because Arizona is a team that brought in a highly rated recruiting class last year, but it wasn't a highly rated recruiting class in terms of having a lot of immediate impact guys. They had a lot of guys that people expected to develop. They added some transfers in there, like James Akinjo and Jordan Brown. They were kind of decent this year. I think they finished 17-9. and nine. And so with all of those guys heading into their sophomore years, you know, that that's another team. And then two more, you know, Purdue could return all, all five of its starters and, and could wind up going from sort of the fifth or sixth best team in the Big Ten to, to maybe the best. And, and the other one is Kansas. And a big part of that, I think, is, you know, the likelihood of returning four starters but also all of the roster work that, that Bill Self has been doing in, in terms of filling in with transfers, in terms of uh, in terms of having recruits, this is going to be one of the best rosters. I think one through thirteen or or one through fourteen, I guess, with, with Mitch returning for for a super senior year that that we have in the country. The question there is going to be. How's Bill Self going to, to keep everybody happy? But uh, we had Kansas, I think, at number six. And it's a team that, that, like you said, you know, they had some success this year. We're, we're solid, obviously, able to get that, that number three seed. And yet, when you look at where they could be next year, they could be significantly better. What's the biggest area that you see Kansas being better at than they were this year? 
offensively, I, I think is the big thing that that jumps out. You know, as as great as Marcus Garrett was, and, and he's you know an all time Kansas great as a as a defensive player. Uh, I think that there's a, a significant chance that, that Kansas goes out and, and lands Ty Ty Washington, which would make uh, make them significantly more explosive at, at point guard from a scoring standpoint and a creation standpoint for other players. I think you look at the second-year growth for guys like DeWan Harris, and I know he's been in the program two years, but really only one on the court. A second year of improvement for a guy like Jalen Wilson, another redshirt freshman who didn't play that much, you know, as a true freshman. And then Bryce Thompson, the, another guy that, that you could see that improvement. And then the other thing, Nick, is I think they're going to have a lot more depth and versatility. You know, this year when David McCormick would go out via injury or, or whatever else, you, you kind of held your breath, especially if you were going up against the team with a legitimately sized big man. And now, you know, Bill Self is in a situation where he can kind of look down the bench and decide how he wants to handle that position because he's got Sidney Curry, a junior college transfer who's 260 pounds and pretty explosive. So he can come in and bang bodies with the guy. Or if he decides he wants a little more offense, he can go with Zach Clements there or he can go with Cam Martin, both of whom are, are really good shooters. If Kansas winds up getting Christian Bishop, from Creighton, which is expected, you know, I, I think a lot of people feel like Kansas leads there. You know, Christian Bishop is, is kind of that big man that a lot of teams love to have in the final five minutes of games because he allows you to switch everything defensively with his athleticism. And so all of a sudden, you know, if David McCormick goes out, you're not sitting there, you know, holding your breath and saying, okay, let's just let's get to where we can get David McCormick back in. You're looking at it, and you have options in terms of how you want to proceed, and it's going to be like that, I think, up and down the roster with the kind of depth that they're building right now. Which is kind of crazy to say, right? Because all we've been talking about and even hearing it from the horse's mouth from Bill Self is how difficult it's been to recruit, and I get it. You get you can't count these guys before they actually commit and then sign their name on the dotted line, but... It certainly doesn't seem like there's a shortage of guys, of talented players who are interested in joining Kansas right now, even with uh, the uncertainty of what's going to happen over the next couple of months with that infractions case. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. You know, somebody could obviously point to the fact that that it's not like Kansas has been, you know, in elite competition for grabbing top 15 type players like they were before. But I, I almost don't know that with with Kansas's situation, with what's out there, that the Jayhawks don't want to build this way. My main concern is you look at a lot of the comments that that I just made, and you know they're probably pretty similar, Nick, to comments that you and I made before the 2019 season. You know, when you looked at that team, and you know, okay, well, if this happens, then you can put in KJ Lawson. If that happens. You know, you've got Charlie Moore as a transfer, and he really scored a lot at his previous stop. You know, and it didn't work out that way. And you had the Azubuki. Everything was fine when they were winning, but then you had the Azubuki injury. You had the LeGerald Vick attrition. And I think in that locker room, too, you wound up having guys who felt like they should be playing, but because of all the depth and all the different options and all of those things, you know, it's not like everybody was being utilized and engaged on an every game basis. And so 
I think that's almost kind of the challenge of it for Bill Self is how he handles everybody on that roster. He's Kevin Flaherty. You can check out his work, including the way too early top 25 from 24-7 Sports at 247sports.com. Kevin, as always, appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, Nick.